Lord, you have visited us many times in our lives, and we would like you to minister to our hearts tonight and think about your visitation, what that word means, your care for us, what is a visitation of God. Lord, you have done it in our church and churches with sisters and brothers. Unbelievers in the world have been visited by God with love and expressions of conviction and persuasion. You have ministered around the world for centuries, visiting man and speaking to his heart. Bless our teaching tonight and our meditation in Jesus' name. I think I'm going to uh, just have you read the verse, where are we, Psalm? No, it's verse 4, sorry. Psalm 8, 4. Okay, is that working? Oh, okay. Thank you. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Okay. King James has. Maybe we can change the the, the version there because I like that word, visiting. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visit him, visitest him? So we have a, a word study, but before we get into the message, just as an introduction, I I want you to think about this. I, I've memorized this psalm eight years ago and always thought about this word visit, thou visitest him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. And what is the meaning of that <clears throat> word? So we'll look at it a little later, but I want you to notice something that there in saw in Luke 19 verse 41 to 44 we have by the way uh, thank you for your prayers our visit to Finland was extraordinary really it was exceptional there is a revival there going on and in the conference we had a Amazing time of unity and blessing, and and this is what 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 I'm thinking of visitation, a visitation of God. Look at Luke 19, verse 41, 42, 43, 44. That's the text. But I'm introducing the subject, and then I'm going to have you talk to each other for a minute. Verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto your peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days will come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. And shall lay thee even with the even with the ground, 
thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because you knewest not the time of thy visitation. So we really have two meanings with the word. It, it generally means to care, visit, visitation, pay attention to. Episcopos is the root of the word to oversee, to study, to examine, to look at, to visit means um, that God is caring. He is caring about us. And in this text, uh, Jesus is at the end of his three-year ministry, and he's up on the hill, on the hillside on the east side of Jerusalem, looking down on the city, and he is saying, he's weeping, and knows what Israel could have, what they could have, what belongs unto their peace, and that thou, at least in this thy day, so we have the word, day there in this thy day so the day of visitation and that idea I think you can imagine a period of time a period of time when God visits the people and Jerusalem was visited by God there was actually a revival when he went into the city on the donkey they cried out Hosanna Hosanna there was actually the spirit of visitation. God cared for Jerusalem. And they, and they, the, the Pharisees said, stop your disciples from saying that. And he said, if they didn't say it, the rocks would cry out. Okay, so this means that this was God's will. The Messiah would be received, though it was a handful of people or a small number. No one knows how many, but in distinction to the leadership, leadership said no to the Messiah. Even though there were many evidences that Christ was the Messiah, one of them was that the rabbis taught that the Messiah would be so powerful that he could raise the dead, there were three things, could raise the dead, he could heal the blind, and he could cleanse the leper. Those three things were done by Christ. Not, not to mention that he fulfilled the scripture. The day of their visitation, the day when God was examining them, the day when God was occupied looking at them and caring for them, the day of their visitation. I want you to notice where the word is used in Exodus 4 um, when they were in Egypt, verse 31, Exodus 4, 31. And the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their affliction, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. So we have, and here's here's my here's here's my my thought for you: Has God visited you in your life at any time? Has God manifested Himself to you in some way where it was undeniable? God is working. God is doing something. 
God is, is caring. God is touching my heart. Now, in a day, let me, let me say something here about this, like this word day. You have morning and you have afternoon and then you have evening. And they are different, different periods of time. There are different times in your life. You could use this for the history of Israel. Maybe the morning time of Israel was the time of Abraham. We could say the time of the prophets coming and the time of the Christ that came in the day, the day of Israel's visitation. I came to you early. I came to you midday. I came to you with the Messiah. I came to you in the day of your visitation. And if you bear with me, I kind of like to think of it as the history of a person's life. It might be that God came to you when you were young. And it might be that he came to you when you were older and might have come to you in a trial. God might have come to you in a hospital room. God might have sent somebody to you in, 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 your, in your crisis. God might have visited you. Do you see what I, the visitation of God is a calm, it happens. It says that in Psalm 8 4. What is man that you would be thinking of him and that you would visit him? You would actually come into his life, into his bedroom. You would come to him on the sidewalk. You come to him at night. You would come to him early in life. He would, he would come to you and I in our crisis. He would come to us. In our trouble, he would come to our church. He would come to our youth group. He would come into our prayer meeting. And that we would know that we would care. Look at Ruth 1, verse 6. It's a pretty good one on it. Ruth 1, is it 6? Yes. Then she arose, this is Ruth, with her daughters-in-law, no, Naomi, Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law. She might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Yeah, I, I know that the word is caring, examining, overshadowing, paying attention to, really paying attention. He knows about us, and he cares. Now, um, another one was um, um, in the history. It's 1 Samuel 2, when Hannah had the baby or was pregnant. She She couldn't get pregnant, and this is chapter 2, verse 21. The Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived. I love that. That's beautiful. God did it. She couldn't have children. God did it. She had a child. That was God. He visited her. 
What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you would visit him? And so uh, revival. When we came, when I, I, some of us, our generation came into the ministry up in New England and we would, we would attend meetings and leave the meeting feeling that God visited the meeting and feeling that we have purpose in life and feeling that there's a mission and feeling that God answers prayers and feeling like he cares for me. That God cares for my life. That that He we would go home and and we would we would go we would we would work and have our our lives. But we would have behind it this whole amazing, beautiful thought that God is caring for us, that He is visiting us, that He's not stopping, that He continues to care. Look at Psalm uh, seventeen. Verse 3. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Verse 3. Is it? Yeah. Thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me. And shall find nothing. What a beautiful verse. Thou hast proved my heart. Now the antonym or the opposite of this word in the Greek language, the opposite um, is um, the opposite of this word. Okay, is I won't write it down. It's not that important. The opposite. The meaning in the English is to forsake. Not not care to depreciate. Actually, to depreciate. That's the opposite of the word to visit. To to oversee to care, to visit, to observe, to examine. But the opposite is, I don't care about you. I'm not, I'm not visiting you. I'm not, I'm not occupied with you. I see no interest. I have nothing to do with you. I forsake you. Isn't it? It's Hebrews 13.5 where it says, it is written, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Like, I will always be there to like care, to oversee and care about your life. Now, what hit me when I was in Finland in this, uh, in this meditation is that uh, we were back in the 70s living there in Finland, and, and honestly, there were times when there was just a godly silence in the meeting. And just like the room was full of young people, like a lot of young people. And and then there was the, the presence of God was very strong. And this was in, um, you know, 76, 77, 78, 79, those years. 
And um, by the way, David Wilkerson had a prophecy back in the 70s. He wrote a book about it called The Vision, and he said, it's written in there on page 61 or something, I I remember, you know, because we used to talk about it, that he said that a revival would go to Russia through Finland. He had a vision of that. Well, in, in those years, the Pentecostal churches, the Lutheran churches, we had, the Bible speaks, we had a revival. And people were, were feeling it. And there was a visitation. And it was in our youth. And it was happening. Now, more than 40 years later, we were just there a couple of days ago for five days and people came from different parts of the country, and that most of these people we've known for a long time back in those years. So like God ordains for this, just like in Jerusalem, when Jesus is weeping, he is saying, what? he said, you don't know. That means you're, you're ignorant. Where is it? Yeah, he said, you... You are, you are ignorant. You, if you had known the peace that I have for you, which will be like another part of our message tonight, maybe. Hope so, hope so. Okay, so I'm sharing with you from my heart what I want to say tonight as a way of encouraging you because I really believe that God is in history and he does this work. And we just saw the movie, The Jesus Revolution, about the history of the Jesus movement out in California. And you know about that. And in our history in the United States, the Great Awakenings, and in European history, the many revivals that have happened in, in Finland and Norway and Sweden and Hungary in um, in Germany and Holland, the Netherlands and Switzerland and so on is like fascinating. So here's the the point that there is a a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering in the world, and people say, "Where is God?" And we're saying God is here. And there are a lot of people, they don't have peace. We don't mean absence of trouble. It means we have trouble, too. We have trouble. We have temptations, yes. But we have peace. We have our troubles, but we have peace. We have temptations, but we have a, a sense of victory. We have we have uh, struggles in different ways and all, all kinds, of, but, but there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. But there is peace for God's people because Christ is the Prince of Peace. And, um, but you are ignorant of it. You are blind. You do not know it. You don't know that if God is in the United States of America that God is in your village or your town. You don't know that God is near you. You don't know that God is for you, that God is weeping for you, that he is weeping and cares and is praying and has words for us. 
And for anybody who seeks him, they will find him. For anybody that wants him, they can have him. It is a time of our visitation. It is a time to seek him. It's a time to know him. It's a time to walk with him. And uh, the reality in my heart is that this is not from men. This is from God. And he's ordained for us to be part of this whole means of bringing peace to people and people finding him and finding peace. Okay. Okay, so I think I'll just stop there and then just ask you, if you would, um, just ask your, talk to your neighbor about the subject a little bit. And just say, have you ever had a visitation of God in your life? And what it, what it was that or what is that? I think I missed the guitar part there. Huh? Electric guitar? Was that it? Oh, Sharon is here. Sharon, good to see you from Albania. Great, great. Wow, great. Okay, our our message from Jeremiah 10. If you turn there with me in verse 15. And I think I already gave you the message, so we will we will uh, ask the Lord to to speak to our hearts from it. Okay. Jeremiah ten fifteen. Every uh, they are they are vanity. Speaking about idols, idols, lies, and the work of errors. Jeremiah ten fifteen. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. So we have the the idea here of of a visitation from God, and when God visits, He exposes. When He visits, He brings to light, and they are a work of errors. And when when this light comes, it collapses the. Lies are embarrassing or shameful. Lies let me down. They collapse in the light of God's reality. And that happens in life. That's a good thing. I'd rather be hit with God's reality in this lifetime instead of living in lies and get hit with it later when we face God. So we have um, a story here of a, in the eight, um, let's see where we have it. In Connecticut, back in the, some time ago, was it the 1740, I believe. Okay, now I've got a pile of papers here. Behind this one, nope. 
Okay. So let's throw them away. Here it is. 1740, Hartford, Connecticut. This man, Nathan Cole, was a farmer 12 miles away from where George Whitfield was going to preach in Middletown. Immediately, he ran to my pasture for my horse with all my might, with his wife hastened to Middletown. As if we were fleeing for our lives, they arrived just in time to see Whitfield mount the platform that was erected for his sermon. To Nathan, Nathan Cole, the young British evangelist, looked almost angelical. But it was Woodfield's message that changed his life. My hearing him preach gave me a heart wound. By God's blessing, my old foundation was broken up. I saw that my righteousness would not save me. After several more months, Cole was confident he'd been reconciled to a gracious God. You know, um, when... Billy Graham was preaching in the 20th century, as you know, and these large crowds would come and listen, and some would come under this conviction, this persuasion. And it's almost just like you and God alone, you and God are alone, and he's speaking to you. I wonder if that's happened to you. If it hasn't, it will. It can. Because God is doing this. He sent Christ into the world for this. To tell us that he cares. The Greek word I was going to use here, or that we are using, it's this word for look after But it can also be he visits to punish. That's used often in the book of Jeremiah. The day of your visitation when reality will hit you and you will sense the judgment and the penalty from God. When Jesus was looking at Jerusalem, he said the day of your visitation has two parts to it. One I care about you. I'm looking for you. The other one is, if you don't turn, then what will happen? You will be laid low. You'll be brought low. You will be compassed about. You'll be trapped. There will be a judgment on the country for, for you refusing the visitation of God, not recognizing it or being ignorant of it, So we have here to visit upon, consider, examine, and provide covering for. He is present to favor you. So let's look at that again, Luke 19. And I love to read about the historical revivals and the stories of men and women of God who who found God or God found them and visited them. 
And by the way, we are, we are saved. We are born again. God indwells in us. He dwells in us. He is never leaving us. He is always caring for us, always serving us. He's interceding for us. But the other side of it is with this, this, this pride. I can't hear him. I don't care or it's too much for me. And I understand that feeling, those feelings of alienation. Look at Luke 19, verse 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. And you could say, he's saying, what do you have? What do you have, Israel? What do you have, Jerusalem? What do you have? You are a den of thieves, den of robbers, brood of vipers, hypocrisy. But then you could say to Jesus in the day of the visitation, here's like the negative, and then you have the positive. You have 12, 12 disciples, Lord. You have people saying, Hosanna to God. You have a leper who has been healed, a dead man raised, Lazarus. You have a cross and then a resurrection and, and the outpouring of the Spirit, Pentecost. You have, you have a revival coming in Jerusalem. And the Lord would say, yes, that day, that is going to happen. But look at this. Look at what is happening. It's like in the United States of America, perhaps we could say. that. What, what do we have? Well, look at what we have. We have believers. We have an open Bible. We have a Bible school. We have missionaries that are sent. We have people that are believing. We have people that are spirit-filled. We have the church. We are being fed from the head, with the head and the body. We have many members. We are touching each other and connected. Yes, we have. But here he is looking at the world this way. And he's saying this in verse 40, 42. If you had known, at least in this thy day. So ignorance, and that's what we I feel a lot here in USA, ignorance. Do you know? Do you know anything about Jesus? Do you know anything about the gospel? Do you know anything about love? Do you know anything about truth? Do you know anything about humility? Do you have any hunger in your heart? Are you looking for the eternal? Do you know anything about an eternal purpose? Do you know anything about healthy living, healthy relationships, healthy life? Do you know anything about prayer? Do you know anything about Christ? Do you know anything about the resurrection? Do you know anything about edification? Do you know anything about wisdom? Do you know any proverb? Do you know any psalm? Do you know any Bible verse? Do you have any faith? And we can say in our country that there's a huge popular movement of ignorance. And Jesus is weeping. And he could say, what do you got? Come on, show me. What do you got? I like that idea. Like, what you got? Come on, put it up on the table. What you got? What do you got to show me? 
Jesus could say to people, come on, show me, what do you got? What do you got going on? What's in your life? Show me, what do you got? Well, I got, I got a credit card and I got car keys and I got, I got a house key and I got a job and I got, well, show me, what do you got? What do you got when your life comes crashing down? What do you got when you have a broken heart? What do you got when you've got cancer? What do you got when you've got a broken, a broken, um, Life. What do you have when you have an addiction? What do you got when you got a bad habit? What do you have in your life? And the answer is we don't have. We have, we are ignorant and we don't even know what it is that we don't have. We don't even know how blind we are, how ignorant we are, how naked we are. We don't even know it. And Jesus said, yeah, you live in, in the, in the, in the, what is it? The work of errors. Throw that up there one more time, Jeremiah ten fifteen. Where is that? It's in the hills. <laughs> they are vanity. They are the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they will perish. They will not make it. They will not handle the world. You see, the world is made so that without God, you're going to have trouble in the world. The world is made so that we can have trouble so that we find God. The world is made like a glove and a hand. The way your hand goes in a glove is the way when your life is right with God, how it fits in the world. It fits in the world. It doesn't contradict. It goes in the world. Because Christ in you says, oh, death, where is your sting? Christ in your heart says, okay, I got trouble, but I can navigate in the trouble because I got a good shepherd. And the good shepherd cares about me. And it fits in the world. I live in a world that works. It works for me. It doesn't mean I don't have trouble. It just means that I got peace in the world. Because in the text, that's the primary thing. He said, you don't have, you, you don't. The things that belong to your peace, you don't have them. Put that up, please. Luke 19.42. For if you had known even thou at least in this thy day the things which belong to your peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. You know, um, one of the ladies in Finland, Pivy, saw me then. Friend of mine, I haven't seen her for 20 years. She's a, she was, she retired now, but she was a surgeon for babies and she operated on babies' hearts, which were like, you know, the size of your, the end of your thumb. And I had a talk with her and she said, you know, I remember your messages from like 40 years ago. I go, really? I go, that's amazing. Like, I go, I do too. I do too. I remember certain ones from a long time ago. They, they were just the Lord was speaking to us. The Lord was ministering to us. That's like the work of God. You and I are part of the work of God that is eternal, everlasting. We are part of something bigger than all of us. And Jesus is saying with tears, oh, it's a tragedy. 
to lose, to gain the world, but to lose your soul. It's a tragedy not to have a compass in this world. It's a tragedy not to know my father. My father sent me because he cares, loves you. He will hear you. He will answer you. He will comfort you. He will take you all the way through your life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that we would be ignorant of that? That we would be blind to that? I remember reading about D.L. Moody. He was a pastor in Chicago, but he was looking for more power. And I don't know why, but he was in New York City and he was on the street and he was praying to God, God, give me more power guys of the ministry and I have so much to do and so many people and everything and then it says that the spirit came on him so strong that he contacted he needed a room for privacy because the spirit was so strong upon him and he just um, a friend of his had a room so he went to that room and he was in the room for hours and just being bathed in the spirit of God the spirit telling him and ministering to him. And how beautiful it is to think that God is saying to every one of us that I have peace for you, and this is my will, that you would be a good family man. You'd have peace in your heart. You'd have a family if that's God's will for you, or you would be a single man, but you'd have peace in your heart. That you would be a businessman, you'd have peace in your heart, and you would enjoy giving your money away and sharing your blessing. And um, that, that the, the Lord, we would be praying people, just quiet praying people, but God would be visiting us and caring for us and, and building us up, and we would have peace. But there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. When you see a wicked person prospering, Psalm 73 gaining a lot, prospering, benefiting, succeeding, popular, rich, powerful, whatever it is. I do not envy him. I don't envy him at all. He has to lie down in bed with himself. Does he have peace? If he doesn't have peace, it's a terrible life. No peace? No peace in your heart? That can't be. And when Jesus saw the city, he goes, the Romans, I'm saying it, these are my words, in history it happened. The Romans are coming, Jerusalem, they're going to crush you. The Romans are coming, they're going to crucify you. By the way, Joseph of Arimathea was a historic, Jewish historian who wrote for the Romans, and he said there were 5,000 crucifixes around Jerusalem in 69 AD from people that escaped the siege they were caught by the Romans and crucified and put up in the air and sometimes disemboweled for the Roman soldiers looking for, they swallowed a diamond or a gold or something, they swallowed it. So when they ran away and they were caught, that would not be confiscated. So they would kill them and open them up and examine their bowels to see if there was anything valuable in there. It was, Jesus said, you're going to be laid low. 
You're going to be compassed about. You're going to be destroyed. Yeah, this is, this is uh, your day. Your day, but you don't get it. This is our day, folks, in the United States of America. This is our day. Morning, afternoon, evening. What time of the day is it? This is our day to preach the gospel. It is our day to care about. It is our day to see God visit people in their homes and in their churches and in their prayer meetings and in their Bible studies. This is the day because the day is going to end. And there'll be the full light of God. Let's read it and finish. It says here, verse 43, where the days will come, your enemies shall cast a trench about you. That means they besieged the city. They surrounded it. No water goes in. No food goes into the city. They're starving. No food goes in. No water goes in. They eat their children. Because in a famine, the child dies first. You're starving of hunger. Instead of burying the child, they ate the child. That happened, read it in Lamentations. Deuteronomy prophesied that, that if you disobey me, this is what will happen. And the woman that is delicate, look it up. The delicate woman, I find that amazing. The, the delicate woman will, with an evil eye, she will change because of the hunger that drives you crazy. So Jesus is saying this. And they will keep you in on every side and shall lay you even with the ground. Sorry, this is so sad. Your children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because you know not the time of your visitation. Some people are waiting for God to appear in the sky. Not going to happen. Jesus is coming in the sky. Yes, that day is happening. Absolutely. But in this lifetime, he's ordained for the preaching of the gospel. In this lifetime, he's ordained for youth groups, prayer meetings, church meetings. This lifetime, he's ordained for people to find Christ in the pew, find Christ on the sidewalk, find Christ in front of the television, Find Christ by all means and turn to him with a humble heart and say yes to Jesus. This is the time of our visitation, and this is our joy. And we also could look like with Jesus at the whole thing and weep also and and say these things. Okay, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the visitations in the lives of so many people through history that there's a there's a story of errors in the world. Yeah, so many people go there in at broad is the way to destruction. Many go. They are ignorant and blind. Maybe we have relatives. Maybe we have people in our families. The day is going to end. 
and this is the day of their visitation. Please waken them up, please, Lord. Please, Lord, shake them. Shake them with a trip to the hospital. Shake them with bad news. Shake them with a nightmare. Shake shake them with the message. Shake them. Draw them with love. Draw them with kindness. Draw them with prayers. Draw them with faith. Draw them to yourself, to a divine personal encounter. Visit them in their bedroom in the morning. Visit them at night. Visit them under a tree somewhere. Uh, Visit them and speak to their hearts and save people. You visited them in Egypt when they were slaves. You visited Hannah when she didn't have a child. Um, You uh, visited Ruth and Naomi. You visited uh, Israel with the prophets and with Christ. You have visited us in our country with awakenings and revivals. You visited Finland. You have visited Russia. You have visited China. You have turned many people to you yourself. And thank you that we have this focus in our hearts. The greatest thing that could happen in a life is to be aware and alert and awake to your visitation. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. In Jesus' name. Anyone listening to me and you want Jesus in your heart, open your heart. He is so gentle and kind and gracious. He says, I won't come unless you invite me. But if you take me in and repent of your ways, put your trust in me, believe in me with all your heart, walk with me, trust me, turn from your own way, I will deliver you, I will fill you, I will satisfy you. I will do that, Jesus says to us. Amen. Amen.